Hey, 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 and welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. I am your host, Chris Desmond. This is the community where we explore the science, the stories and the strategies of getting out of our comfort zones so we can find where that magic happens for us. Today, I'm joined by Cam Calcoon, and Cam is a super inspirational guy. Uh, He was born with cerebral palsy, and he was told that his biggest challenges would be the way he walks and the way he talks. Just to uh, buck that idea, uh, Cam went on to become a professional runner and a professional speaker. As a 19-year-old, Cam raised $4 million to build a community resource center, And at 22, he established the Carabiner Mentoring Program. And these are just a few of his remarkable achievements. They don't define Cam, though, um, but they've been brought about by one of his life philosophies of enjoying and really jumping into the doing rather than chasing the being or the achievement. So today, Cam and I chat about these stories as well as embracing opportunities, the importance of connection with people, finding his Everest, dealing with the inner voice, tackling New York City, the power of empathy, why you should surround yourself with inspiring people, the necessity of preparation and doing something great, why we should focus on the doing rather than being or on achievement, innovative ways of thinking that come out of the uncomfortable, inspiring the world to change as well as getting uncomfortable. Um, I had a couple of spine tingle moments uh, when chatting with Cam. Uh, He is an amazing, amazing guy um, and just, yeah, uh, incredible uh, energy from him. And I'm sure you guys will love our chat today. Uh, Just before we kick it off though, This week's show is again brought to you by howtomakesimplevideos.com. Learn how to make professional videos simply. Uh, At the moment, they're offering 100 bucks off the course to listeners of the show, um, which also helps out the Uncomfortable is OK podcast too. So to claim your offer, just head over to howtomakesimplevideos.com, enter the discount code at uncomfortable at checkout. That's howtomakesimplevideos.com and enter the code UNCOMFORTABLE. Enough preamble, guys. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with Cam and I today. Podcast, mate. How are you doing today? Oh man, it's a beautiful Monday morning, uh, afternoon, and I'm pretty stoked to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure. It is an absolute pleasure. Eh? I'm. Uh, we've just been kind of chatting away for the last. Oh, what is it? It's actually been 25 minutes. Yeah, man. Um, so it's <laughs> pretty it's much a, a podcast in itself. <laughs> yeah, we should have recorded that. Eh? The, the time's <laughs> flown by, but you've um, you've had an awesome afternoon hanging out with uh, our mate Lucy O'Connor. So you're just buzzing after that, which is good. 
Yeah, it was my perfect warm up to a podcast. <laughs> Chatting with Lucy. Yeah. Um the listeners to regular listeners to the show will uh, remember Lucy from a couple of episodes back. Um if you haven't listened to it, make sure you go back and listen to that one. Um but that plug yeah. out of the way, Cam. It's done. <laughs> what I usually like You're to welcome, do... Lucy. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What I usually like to start off with, mate, is um just a little bit of background about yourself. Like w- uh, where were you born? Where are you from? Where did you grow up? Kind of any big formative experiences in your in your youth that have shaped you as the person that you are today? So real yeah, kind man. of just tight question there. A real tight question? Yeah, okay. <laughs> so like five words and were we all good? Or No, no, no. Just elaborate. Yeah. So uh, my name's Cam Calcoon. I was, I was born in Holland, uh, just outside Amsterdam. And by the time I was three months old, I'd convinced mum and dad to move to New Zealand. So <laughs> my ne- negotiation skills were pretty good for my young age. I was born with cerebral palsy, uh, but I guess brought up in an, uh, a family which was taught to always see the opportunity so we embraced those opportunities growing up in Hawke's Bay. Uh, the reason I, I was able to uh, now be fully walking and fully speaking is that for the first seven years of my life, I went to the hospital every single day for speech therapy, physiotherapy. Uh, we talk about uncomfortable. There's a lot of uncomfortable moments with that when you're growing up, you know, and all your mates uh going skateboarding or fishing or going home after school and you have to go to the hospital. So you, you sort of ask yourself, why am I doing this? Uh, but I did it for seven years and, and then I stopped because I just wanted to live a life. You know, I, I, I was a young man, a young boy, and I wanted to embrace that. So I started doing things that were cool and then – I found that I was becoming a teenager and not too sure who I was in this world. You know, starting to have all the normal teen, teenage ants and questions that possibly amplified because of my cerebral palsy. Uh, but during that phase, I learned about the importance of speaking with people or letting people know how you were feeling and through talking with people I was inspired to admire people that I can never be like because they were them and I was I but what inspired me is people that had turned their dreams into their reality and so since I was a teenager my dreams my life transformed I I got into my athletics. I got to a point where I was representing New Zealand in sport. I got to 21 years of age. I became an ambassador for a project which meant raising uh, $4 million in a couple of years. I'm, I'm kind of jumping through here, but I guess we can go back. It's painting the picture. Uh, realized that through my sport, I really loved competition. Through fundraising, I really loved the ability of connecting people, of making a difference, and I realized that in order to be really competitive in this world, maybe it would come through my speaking. And so now as a 33-year-old, I'm a full-time professional speaker traveling the world and just inspiring people to see their most awesome moments in life. 
Awesome, Cam. That is a uh, that's a great nutshell there, mate. Um, and yeah, I, I think like jumping jumping through that was was good so that people can hear a little bit more about you. But I think let's let's go back and let's dive deep into this. And I guess like one of the, one of the first questions for that a lot of people will have is what exactly is cerebral palsy? Cool. So. Cerebral palsy is a physical disability which affects the way in which messages travel around our body. So you can have it where you could walk past someone and not even notice they've got it right through to someone being in a wheelchair, not really able to move, not able to speak. So, uh, and uh, it's not genetic, so as I was in my mum's tummy, uh, they had no idea I was going to have it. It was a, a traumatic birth, which meant I had some oxygen uh, cut from my brain for a short period of time, although it's not a brain injury as such, and um, which resulted in cerebral palsy. But the difference between me not having it or being in a wheelchair, we're talking about split moments of time, like split seconds. So I, I feel very fortunate to have the life that I have, and it certainly gives me a unique um, perspective on the world that I choose to embrace. Definitely, yeah, yeah. And from looking at all of uh, all of the stuff that you do, mate, and, and chatting with you as well, I, I really enjoy your perspective and your outlook on on life and I think like that leads well into the next question that I have for you is you mentioned as well that you um growing up you were always encouraged to uh, see the opportunities that's what your family really encouraged you to do how did they how did they do that and how did you have a process that you that you work through to to actually see them and see what they were or they were just something that kind of came to you? I think it was something that came to us and we just adopted and we embraced. So I I can never, ever in my life remember or recalling or thinking to myself, I've got cerebral palsy when I wake up, you know. So as a boy, I'd wake up and I had the same dreams and goals as every other kid waking up. I wanted to go skateboarding. I wanted to have a big gnarly treehouse. I couldn't go skateboarding, but my dad put handlebars on a skateboard and turned it into a scooter, which meant now I could have the same kind of effect. And so... It was just always I had a mum and dad who, instead of saying no, said yes, you know, let's find out. I wanted to play football, I uh, soccer, and uh, I played soccer, you know. They, they put me in the goal, and I, I remember I had, you know, because as a seven-year-old, every single kid follows the ball, and, uh, and it was scary, you know, and you've got, what, well, 11 kids running towards you, you freak out. So my shocker career didn't go long, but <laughs> it was just over. I just said yes to stuff. I just believed in myself, and I, and I recognized from a very young age, I knew that I wanted to – I was ambitious. I, I, I obviously didn't know it was ambition, but I wanted to have – a lot of friendships. I wanted to do stuff, and therefore, 
I was the one who would who would have to break the ice, who would have to get people comfortable with me, which meant getting uncomfortable and going up to people and saying, hey, dude, what are you up to this weekend? And so now we re- we're realizing that we've got a lot in common. Oh, well, Cam, he also likes riding a bike. Well, cool, we've got a connection. And so from there, it just fostered into kind of those are things I still embrace and still do. Yeah. Today. When did you when did you figure out that you were the one that needed to initiate that that relationship? I think it's empathy, right? It's empathy. And I, I don't know when we develop these things in our life, but maybe there was a certain moment where I realized, ah, I'm not quite getting the traction I want to be getting by just waiting here and hanging around for someone to come up to me so maybe I have to engage but you know we I can remember being in the playground at kindergarten and having people around me so I was obviously very young but there was something I was doing and and I think empathy if you can call it empathy when you're three or four years old must have been what what was bubbling up within me Mm, yeah and I think it's a it's a really valuable skill to to develop that obviously you still use a lot to these days to this day is kind of being empathetic and engaging with relation in relationships with other people as well and Mm. I think like we talked we talked about it a little bit before um about going deeper into conversation um that there is i mean there's it's quite easy to be really superficial in conversation with someone and just go and go and talk about the weather or go and talk about the all blacks and um, yeah like they're interesting topics but they're not gonna kind of uh develop your relationships quite as quite as much um as kind of getting vulnerable and being being empathetic in, in conversation and, and also sort of reaching reaching out to other people to to do that. Um, yeah, and that's what builds that really strong rapport and it's what gives us kind of more interesting lives. And I, I, I just thinking about this guy in my gym, like for the first few weeks that I was at the gym, he was there every day. I never, I never said hello to him. I, I didn't do anything, right? I just kind of was like, oh, I was a bit uncomfortable. He doesn't know who I am. Like, um, uh, I'll just get on and do my thing. And uh, last week, said hello to him, had a bit of a conversation. Now, every time I'm in the gym, we're chatting away and we realize that we have heaps in common, right? Which is really cool, but... The first two weeks, it was looking at this person going, ah, oh, maybe he doesn't like me. Maybe we're too different. It's just, uh, yeah, connection is important, and going in on that deeper level is what really builds awesome stuff. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think you, you make another interesting point there about you always have that inner voice there as well that's saying, actually, this is this is uncomfortable. This isn't safe. You don't know if this person's going to like you. You don't know if they how they're going to react and how they're going to kind of uh, respond to you. But I think stopping and asking yourself, actually questioning back to that voice, you're like, is that actually true? And 
even if it is, what's the worst that's going to happen if I go up and say hi to this person? They're probably just going to ignore me or tell me to to get lost. And uh, yeah, I can, I can probably manage that. But like as you like as you've shown, the best that can happen is you're starting to develop an awesome relationship with this interesting person that you have a lot in common with. Absolutely, and I mean we've, I mean. People are people, you know, and I believe we actually have a lot more common and and then we don't have in common, right? Like we are uh, we are interactive and we have dreams, we have feelings, we have emotions and when we connect on those things that's when we can go anywhere with any kind of relationship, connection, friendship, and that's what's the really important stuff. But I think we get so scared and challenged by the little voice within our head that says, oh, my gosh, what what are they going to think of me? It's about weird. Mm, yeah, it is It is weird. And uh, I think it's like it, it's a little bit perpetuated as well by the way that we live at the moment as well in society mm-hmm. and that we, we're so connected in terms of kind of being on the internet and actually like us being able to sit down and have this conversation over the, over the internet. And actually we're going quite deep here. So it's, it's not a superficial one, but like you're, you're on social media and you feel like you're engaged with someone because you're clicking like on their pictures and on their posts actually. But. Mm-hmm. You're not engaging in that in that deep sense of connection with yeah. a whole lot of people like the way that we that we used to when before the internet and kind of before um the world got so like it's small but also it's big as well and we're and we're quite disconnected from people and I think yeah. like that is that's something that we've almost kind of lost the skill of doing. And because we've lost the skill of doing it, that allows that kind of internal voice that we have in our head to say, don't do it. It just allows it to kind of run free. Yeah. I mean, I, I heard something about it eh? and you know, it's been heard a lot, but, you know, social media is more like anti-social media until we learn how to embrace it. And until we learn the power that it does have, and I had this last year where there was someone I'd connected with through one of my talks, which got on really well, but I hadn't been in touch with her much, right? And so I'd seen that she defended me on Facebook, and I went back to her and I just said, hey, um, just making sure everything's okay. I'm, I see we're no longer friends on Facebook. And she came back and said, oh, don't take it personally, but it's just about I'm wanting to use social media to actually develop those meaningful conversations, so to have people I'm connecting with. So what that made me realize is that people might be perceiving that we're not interested, but actually there's a lot of people on my social media that I'm often thinking about, but are often inspiring me to do what I'm having to do when it's 4.30 in the morning and I'm getting up to fly somewhere to give a talk somewhere in front of all these people I don't know, quite often I'll flash back to someone who maybe doesn't even know what impact they had on my life. So what I then did is I went through all my social media 
And with every single person I could remember, I said, hey, it was great to meet you at such and such conference. Home's always awesome. And the response from that was phenomenal, right? But it was it was kind of scary doing that stuff as well. Mm. What scared you about it? Well, just kind of the... Uh, the fact that maybe I could remember so much, you know, the fact that I could actually remember where that person came from uh, is a unique, uh, it's one of my things I have, but generally I can remember a lot of people in my audience, you know, especially if they've stood out. And sometimes you feel like could an over-compliment be, oh, my God, like was that guy kind of stalking me or, <laughs> yeah, you know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm. So it, it scared you kind of the reaction that you might get from people because you appeared to almost know them too well? No, just because you weren't getting that feedback from them or that messaging from them and you're like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe they do just want to see the news feed. Maybe they don't. You know, maybe not everyone is like that other lady who wanted the kind of deep and meaningful relationships through social media. Mm, mm. So yeah, a bit of a tangent, but it just came into my no, mind as we were talking. It's a little bit, a little bit of a tangent, but I, I think like social media, as you say, it can be a valuable tool. It can really kind of allow you to keep those connections going with people, and I think they've done studies actually where. People that use up to an hour of social media a day, it actually enhances their quality of life and they they have better quality of life compared to people that don't use it at all or people that use it to uh, excess. So, yeah, yeah, I think like it. It's a tool like anything else, and uh, you can you can abuse it um, or you yeah. can use it use it for good. Oh, I mean, it can be hugely inspiring, right? I mean, an hour on on social media could be a lot more inspiring and life-changing than watching the 6 o'clock news, right? <laughs> depending on depending on who you're following and what, what information they're feeding you. And that's the positive of it is that you get to choose to be surrounded by really inspiring people. And that's gonna be, that's gonna, you know, you're a reflection of the people around you. So that may just inspire you to go off and do your podcast or whatever it may be. Give a speech. Yeah. And I think, I mean, you can, as you say, you can enhance yourself as a person by, by who you surround yourself with and whether that is, uh, on, on a daily basis or that's the, like podcasts that you listen to or, or, people that you follow on social media as well is that um, they, they all play into the part of the kind of the information that's coming in that leads to, to who you are as a, as a person. Yep. But that has been a massive tangent actually, mate. Let's get back to you a little bit. Um, <laughs> it's making me uncomfortable. It was that big. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was pretty deep, but that's good. That's the <laughs> point of the podcast to make ourselves a little bit uncomfortable. People might be listening and thinking, oh, I just I don't agree at all with these guys. But that's all right. They're entitled that's to their cool. opinion. Um, Cam, I, I want to talk to you. I want to talk to you a little bit about your athletics career. Mm. as well because when did you when did you figure out that you 
loved athletics and loved to to move your body. Yeah, I uh, so I'd always been into sport, and as I was getting into high school, you know the the ball, the cricket balls got harder, the competition got higher, and I didn't want to be the one to drop a catch or miss a wicket or lose a race because if I did, it wouldn't be just because that happened sometimes. It would be because I had cerebral palsy, at least that's what I told myself. But I was still really inspired by athletes. So I got into a lot of individual sports like golf and skiing, did some archery, and then one day I was in form class uh, in a full form at Rangitoto College and there was an opportunity to put my name down for the upcoming athletics day and I, I thought that would be pretty cool and then the little voice inside my head was saying what will people think, what may they say and then my best friend, a guy called Terenzo Bazzoni, the Iron Man, he was next to me in my class and he suggested I put my name down for the 100 metres and that's what I did and uh, it was uh, it was scary. It was a race where I lost, and I lost by a long way. But as I ran down that track, I heard people chanting my name, "Go Cam, go Cam!" As I crossed the finish line, I got told about the Paralympics, and I and from that moment in my head, I I said to myself that I was a truly great athlete, and I therefore adopted a schedule which a great athlete would do. I would train 25, 30 hours a week. I surrounded myself with best athletes and got to a pretty competitive level for over 100 metres. Yeah, awesome, man. And was that – did that start exactly at the finish of the race that you thought that this was this was something that you really wanted to do and then – just put those yeah, steps man. in place. I mean, human nature, right? We love getting accolades. We love it when people say, hey, man, you're awesome. You did well. And so when you've got someone telling you that you can now be competitive in this world, and I grew up with sports stars all over my, my bedroom wall, you know, I was the typical Kiwi Weepix kid. I, I wanted to be an athlete and so now I I not only had a dream but I had a path towards achieving that dream and that was to become an athlete. Um, I, di- I didn't particularly enjoy running. I didn't particularly enjoy sprinting but I enjoyed the process of being able to achieve something that actually once seemed so impossible. You know, when you're born with cerebral palsy and told that you could well be in your wheelchair for your life and now you're wanting to be a sprinter, like, I thought that was a pretty cool thing. And I really admired all the athletes at my school. And again, this became a thing. No longer was it Cam a kid with cerebral palsy. It was, hey, Cam, he's an athlete. Holy moly. Like, he's off to Australia next week to connect, to to compete. And, and that's what I was connecting on, you know? Awesome, man. Cam, like your, your time as an athlete, what did you learn about yourself during that time? Definitely the the power of that little voice within the head and the power of dreams. 
because that voice it never it never stopped. You know, we were I remember run run training day. We're doing two times two hundred uh, ten times two hundred meters as a as a rep. You know, so we're just. 200, 200, 200, and as I was getting into my starting blocks to run at 200 meters, 15, 20 primary school kid children turned up, you know, and primary kid children can be really scary because uh, they just say things, you know, and so I, I, but I said to myself, Cam, who cares what anyone thinks? Just do it. I got down. No, I didn't say that. I said, Cam, who cares what anyone thinks? You know what you want. You know you want that gold medal. And if you decide not to run today, who's laughing, right? So I got into my blocks. I ran past those kids. And they came straight up to me after the run. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what is he going to say to me? And he said, Cam, when I'm your age, if I can be achieving on a level that you're achieving, I will be living my dream. And I was like, wow. Like, I almost didn't do it because – I was thinking the worst-case scenario, and now this young person has run up and kind of complimented me. And and that's what I've found in life in general. We put ourselves out there and that our, our true colours, what lives within us, actually shines a whole lot brighter than anything else. Mate, you've just given me the shivers a little bit there, eh? That was yeah. uh, that was awesome, um, and I yeah I, I love that that message and that's such a such a powerful thing to to learn from your period in in athletics and I think I mean that's that is kind of one of the one of the big takeaways especially from sport that you can that you can get as well as that that persistence and that drive and learning to learning to talk back to that voice in mm-hmm. your head that's trying to drag you down mm. is that you you can you can talk back to it and say no that's that's not true i can i want this i can go and do it and then yeah. be chased around by primary school kids uh giving you accolades yeah. very cool man yeah I mean, and it's just it comes back to that strive of of the importance of a personal best, you know. That's what we get in sport, the importance of a personal best and the importance of competition and that the competition isn't the guy next to you. The competition really is who you are within your head. Yeah. You know, what you see looking back at you. Yeah, definitely, mate. I've got a bit of a saying that, uh, that I'll throw out occasionally that life is a competition, but it's only a competition with yourself. Totally, hundred percent. People are proving that every single day. Yeah, yeah, mate. Um, can can we move on to onto your speaking as well? Because you're a you're a, a professional speaker now. Yeah. Was how did that start off? Was that kind of a Crazy, similar, right? similar thing to athletics that you just loved it and started doing it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I laugh. You know the. The two things I was told I probably wouldn't be very good at became the two things that 
build a foundation but see me traveling around the world and so with my speaking it, it, it rolled on from my sport so I was competing I was representing New Zealand throughout the world uh, and I would have sponsors and these sponsors would say hey Cam we'll give you some money so you can go and compete in Australia but when you come back can you come and tell us about it and I thought, no way, man. Like, come on. Like, speaking's the number one fear in the world. Most people would die when speak, you know. Um, but after saying no a few too many times, I thought maybe I'm missing my biggest opportunity. So I said yes, and I realized the only way to get through the fear was to prepare, so for my sport, was to train, was to train, was to train, was to prepare, was to know what I'm there to speak about. Because if I know within that I've constructed something that is going to be meaningful for people to listen to, then there's no reason for them not to like me. Because the biggest fear of speaking isn't can I speak. We can all speak. We do it every single day. We just don't speak in front of an arena of people. And the reason we don't speak in front of an arena of people is because of that little voice again that says, what if I forget my words? What if I'm not funny? What if, what if, what if? But if you've practiced, 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 you don't have so many what if, what if, what if, because you know that you can perform. Mm. So that's what I did. That was 14, 15 years ago, and now I do it full time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think it, like you you can't always sort of rely, as you say, on on the, the what if. There's there's always things that are that are going to go wrong. Um, regardless and I think people often that are uh, watching and listening to you speak enjoy those moments because it they again empathize with you that you're you're not oh. just someone standing on stage you're a human being you've you've made a little bit of mistake yeah I mean my my first one of my very first talks is available on YouTube you know and I'm the pimply teenager one of my other early talks I I sneezed on stage in front of 500 girls I was you know a teenager myself you can't get much more embarrassing <laughs> than that and then another talk I remember was a big gala fundraiser outside uh, we were looking. We were looking to raise eighty thousand dollars for this project, and as I speak, this big massive bug kind of landed on my lip, on my face, and it was that kind of thing where you're thinking, I wonder if, if anyone's noticed this, and of course they've noticed that. But um, and so as soon as you identify that, you can move on, and uh, and you've Again, you've made stuff more human, more human. And it was that human element that saw me going from giving a speech to – so what really propelled the career was becoming a, an ambassador for a project where we had to raise $4 million to build a disability resource centre on the north shore of Auckland. And we realised that 
people paid money to get inspired. And if we weren't asking them to pay us for the inspiration, perhaps they would be generous in the donations that they made. So we would create these big fundraising events where we would raise, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty thousand dollars in one night. And through having that kind of audience, I would then have people who would come up to me and say, Hey Cam, what you said was really cool. Would you speak to my kids' school? Would you come and speak at my company? Would you come and speak at my conference? And so from that, this thing that I was terrified of, which I perceived as being my biggest weakness, became something that I believed I could build a career on, and uh, and that's what I chose to do. Awesome, man. When I mean, we've we've talked about the some of the hard stuff with the um, with the initially getting into speaking, kind of how that's evolved, though. But at the time, do you remember how you approached those challenges and those those worries? And is it different to how you approach challenging situations now? In terms of the, the challenge of that little voice within, yeah, that little voice within. Um, well, I think, yeah, I think in, in regards to that little voice within, because that's the one that's telling you not to do it, and that's the one that's telling you there's a bug on mm-hmm. your face. What are people going to think? Yeah, well, I mean, the bug on your face, the the snot, the sneezing experience. You know, that that all comes down to having a sense of humour. You know, and and being able to be like, okay, it's happened. Now, again, empathy. I've got to go straight into not how I, how am I feeling right now. I've got to go straight into how is my audience feeling? How how are these 500 girls feeling seeing that there's a guy up in front of them with snot all over his face? Like, I've got to not be going, this is embarrassing for me. I've got to identify what's going on in front of every single one of their heads. I can't remember what I said at that point, but I said something that enabled me to continue with that speech, that enabled me to believe that that didn't mean I had to never be a speaker again. Yep, it happened, but it became a story that I've now told all over the world, which has a key message to it, I developed something for that hugely uncomfortable experience. And so now, to afford a little voice within, it still it comes down to practice. Come Like as a speaker, I speak three times a week, sometimes more, and it's not just about that one hour on stage. It's waking up at 2 o'clock in the morning to go to the toilet. First word I think of, okay, where would I be in my speech if I was to use that word now? Like it's about being so prepared for every single moment that you know right now if this wall fell down and there were a 1,000 people on the other side, I could deliver a speech. I could not just deliver a speech. I could deliver something meaningful. And if you want to deliver something meaningful, if you want to create a life of purpose, the opportunities will arise and it's awesome. Mm. 
Yeah, and it's about kind of taking those opportunities as they as they come up. What yep. does your like what does your training for speaking look like at the moment? Say over a typical typical week or over a typical month, how do you how do you train yeah. to speak? Yeah. So consistently. I mean, is one of those people say, well, you know, what kind of training have you had as a speaker? Uh, and I go back again to being that kid in the primary school playground, wanting to be social, wanting to be popular. I had to learn from a very young age how to build rapport, how to make my audience, whether that was another kid or now a few thousand people, how do I make them feel comfortable? And then growing up through high school, I did I did drama. And the reason I did drama is my my cousin told me that within the drama class I would meet cool people, you know. Cool kids did drama. So I did drama. It was really uncomfortable. It was scary, but I did it. Then I went on to university. I did a, I started a a degree in sports science. Then at the time I realized I had too much sports going on in my life. I, I never actually wanted to do it full time. So I went on and I I started a communications degree at Massey University. I did uh, a paper called Professional Presentations in Business. It was the only paper I ever got an A plus in. And so the day that result came in, I was like, I'm done. (laughs) I'm finished with university. I know what I'm going to do. And I'm going to be this communicator. And I surrounded myself with communicators. I went and met amazing speakers. I went and listened to people on YouTube and I listened to audiobooks and I just believed in myself. And so what is my training today? It is it's the the training today is believing in myself, is surrounding myself with great people. It's knowing that if you stay ready, you ain't gotta get ready. And seriously, without a doubt, it comes down to making myself uncomfortable as much as I can because we've been uncomfortable just as this podcast is uncomfortable comes innovation and comes new ways of thinking and it's that new ways of thinking that you can then use as a speaker, as a writer, as an engineer, as whatever. But we need to be stepping outside that comfort zone in order to see those opportunities. Awesome, mate. That is... Sorry, man. No, no, no. That is... The worst interviewer ever, but a speaker, (laughs) you can't shut up a speaker. (laughs) No, that is is brilliant. (laughs) I I really, I really like that answer to the question. And I think I I love the passion with which uh, it was delivered as well. And I think you're, you're right in terms of like the immersive experience and everything that you're doing, but also pushing yourself out of your comfort zone opens opens up your perspective to new ways and new ideas of doing things and it's through seeing those new new ways and new ideas uh, or new ways of doing things that often we can incorporate them into something else that we're that we're doing i mean yeah. having for example hosting a podcast for myself as we uh, as we talked about before 
has improved my ability to ask questions, although some of the listeners might debate that uh, over time as well. Um, but it's I mean, you're, to, what, are you, what are you on now? You're on podcast 86, <laughs> something like yeah, that? Yeah, something like that. Maybe that, maybe I'm just rambling more now, though. Um, but I, I think uh-huh. like it has it's led to me having more engaging conversations with friends and family. It's led to me uh, being able to ask better questions when I'm in the clinic with my patients. Um, yeah. And, I, hey, I, I, maybe I would have got there uh, eventually if I hadn't done the podcast and got uncomfortable doing it, but I definitely wouldn't have got there as quickly as I as I have done because I have done it. But how have you learned that for the podcast? Like, did you go through training or did you go to, like, a podcast school or were you through trial and error? For predominantly, it was through it was through trial and error. Um, I listened to a lot of podcasts, so I, I listened to a lot of guys that ask questions um, yeah. and and interview people that interview people about yeah. interviewing people. So listening to the way that people ask questions and engage in conversation and picking out the parts that I like from that. And the parts that I don't like from that and trying to incorporate those parts that I like and sometimes distance me from the parts that I don't like in regards to the way people converse and the way people ask questions. And I think as you, as you say, it's, it's an immersive experience. I've probably got, um, like the podcasts I have downloaded at the moment is, a couple of full-time work weeks that I've got to work my way through. There's a there's eighty or ninety hours worth of of podcast conversation there, and yeah. I mean it's it's listening to those, it's reading reading books about it, it's um, watching watching videos of people asking questions and answering okay. questions and speaking, and I think yeah, it, it's been an immersive experience. But it's also been asking myself questions throughout the process about how am I doing and um, how could I get better and actually asking other people as well for constructive feedback about it. And that was really uncomfortable for me to start with as well as especially with with something that we start off with. Um, if someone gives us constructive criticism or not so constructive criticism as well. It's kind of hard to take because this idea is so wrapped up with our sense, own sense of identity. Mm-hmm. That yeah. that was that wasn't. I knew I had to get better at asking questions, and to do that, I needed feedback from other people. But that was a yeah. really uncomfortable thing to go to yeah. and ask them for to start with. Yeah. when this yeah. idea was so new. Yeah, and it is. It's really scary. It's really uncomfortable. But it's, it's less uncomfortable if you have that bigger dream and you can see where you're wanting to go because you don't want to be having those questions about your questions or in five months, ten months or two years' times. We, we want to progress on and the only way we can progress on is through, and again, what I got from my sport, is through evaluation, you know, and and to have jobs, to have things in our life that are continually evaluating us and 
and showing the growth in our performance are really strong things. But then with that comes back to our passion because if we don't have the passion for what we do, if you aren't passionate about doing your podcast, if I'm not passionate about being a speaker, this concept of trial and error becomes way too scary. The concept of evaluation becomes way too scary because I'm not actually passionate about it, but if I am passionate about it, it means that I can see a result and I know that everything I get contributes towards that result I want to achieve. What if someone were to come to you and say, Cam, I'm not passionate about anything at the moment. How do I find what I'm going to be passionate about? Yep. So I believe there's two things. There's be and there's do, you know, and a lot of times we grow up in a system and an education which is all about what do you want to be? You know, I want to be I want to be a policeman. I want to be a fireman. This is when we're five. People are saying, oh, no, what do you really want to be? And then we, you know, get to the end of high school and holy moly, not many people know what they want to be. So my question is, Jay, but, you know, fewer people know what they want to be or they believe in those dreams when they're 18 or 19 versus when they were five or six. So my question is, what do you want to do? Because if as a kid I had said I want to be an athlete and a speaker, I would have been up against all sorts of barriers, mainly inside my head. But ever since I was a kid, I wanted to live a life where I could travel, so do travel, where I could entertain, do entertainment, and where I could connect, connect people with people. And so those three things have enabled me to see what I want to be. They enabled me to see that I wanted to be an athlete, and then they enabled me to see that I wanted to be a speaker. That's powerful, man. And I think that's like, that is fantastic advice for people listening to this. If Because there are a lot of people out there who are 30, 40, 50 years old who don't know what they want to be. Mm. And I think it's it's asking yourself that question, what do I want to do? And then starting to do them that you figure out what you want to be. Yeah, well, because because what you want to do is your passion. You know, it could be that I want to be able to play golf one day a week. So I need to be able to be something that enables me to have that one day a week to play golf. Or I want to be able to see the world. So, okay, now I've got a bit more of an understanding of what kind of income I need to make to achieve that lifestyle. You know, all these things I want to do help guide us to these things that we could become and also keep us open to opportunity. Whereas if I had to set up a start, I want to be a speaker. The things that I would have focused on then is I'm scared of people. I talk funny. I don't know if people can understand me. What if, what if, what if? But 
I got to it through a different way, which was way more exciting and a lot more rewarding. Mm. I want to I want to jump back to your speaking a little bit, Cam, because I mean you went from a guy that was was speaking once a month to a guy that mm. speaks three times a week, and not just in New Zealand, but I mean you've been over to New York three times this year as well to yeah. to speak and to train. How did that How did that jump come about? So. Uh... It came about through speaking at an event and a man called Billy Graham came up to me. So not the American evangelist, but the nine-eye boxing champion from back <laughs> in the day. You know, a lot of people have heard him. Champion, you figure, an incredible speaker. He's spoken all over the world. This guy's a legend, right? And he came up to me. And he said, Cam, if you can do what you did here, you can do it anywhere. And when people give us positive feedback, we can either ignore it, we can think about it, or we can chase it. And I decided to chase it. And I took Billy's words, I stack it into my backpack of belief, and I decided to take on the world, and more specifically New York City, the most competitive place in the world because if sport had taught me anything, it's that if you want to become the best, then surround yourself with the best. And so I went to New York for two reasons. I wanted to speak in America and I wanted to propel what I could do in New Zealand because at that point in New Zealand, I wasn't with any agencies. I was speaking once a month. And it was, it was pretty, it was very amateur stuff. But what I realized is that New Zealanders love the underdog story. They love the story of climbing Mount Everest, of winning the America's Cup. So what would be my Everest, what would be my America's Cup would be the kid who talks funny going and speaking in America. So that's what I did. I emailed everyone I knew and I ended up speaking for Viacom International, so a parent company to MTV because of a New Zealand connection. I ended up speaking at NBC because of a New Zealand connection. And how I got those is through speaking my dreams or through going, this is a little bit scary, but I'm going to put it out there and I'm just going to see what response I get. And that's what I did. And that was probably five years ago now. Five or six years ago, and I uh, and I go back every year just to do that, just to get uncomfortable. Really, that's awesome. And I think like I'm all about getting strategically uncomfortable, and it's cool that you you schedule in that that time to to get uncomfortable with it as well. Yeah, well, I mean, like just because you say that, I was in New York this year, and I was like, why, why am I here? Like I, I, it was it was August in New York. It was hot. I was sweating. I don't have a car. I'm having to turn up at this talk where I'm not getting paid. Where I'm not got. I'm 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 having to get there by subway. I have to organize everything. Why am I doing this? And I realized that by getting uncomfortable here. I was getting a whole new appreciation 
of everything I had access to as a speaker in New Zealand and Australia. So one thing I've been, I've been speaking with some of the companies I work with today is that at the point that you don't feel you can go any further or that you're not seeing any new opportunities, take everything you know and try to do what you do in a community, in an environment, in a country that you've never been off before, that you've never been to before. And you'll start appreciating, holy moly, back home, I can just pick up the phone and I can speak to that CEO. I can drive my own car. I can know where exactly I'm going to eat so I've got the right food before my talk. And so all these things start making you realize I'm way more comfortable back home when I thought I was, and now I have these new opportunities to embrace. In actual fact, I can't wait to leave New York to get back home to start embracing that stuff. And that's where we start dreaming new dreams, setting new goals, and achieving new benchmarks. Cam, what's your dream at the moment? My dream... I keep things pretty simple, and I, I, I just hope that I, I, I don't hope I, I aim, I desire, I work to to live a life where people can challenge perception of their own abilities, where they can realize what an opportunity we have and that we we really need to be connecting with people because at the end of the day, the most important thing in this world is people and the more we know about people, the more we know about ourselves. That means the more motivated we are and the more we achieve. Awesome. And that's so that's that's what you're working on at the moment. Yeah, man, because I have to ask, you know, I keep asking myself, how do I achieve that? So, like, I was, uh, and for example, if I can bring this podcast into into the conversation of how that came about. So, um, I've got to the end of the year, it's December, it's kind of quiet as a speaker in December in New Zealand. I was listening to my friend Lucy O'Connor on the podcast you did with her I was thinking oh that'd be be really cool to do and then I thought ah maybe you know I know I can speak but when I speak I've got a whole audience you know people they get their whole image they see me they they can understand and maybe my voice is going to be a bit of a challenge just on its own in the podcast but I thought Let's give it a go. So I, I contacted you. I sent for my bio, and, and now here we are doing a podcast. So, so with having that goal, what I have, you start looking for your opportunities to expand and to create different different ways of 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 having that impact on the world. Awesome, Cam. Again, uh, that's a, that's another shiver moment right there, eh? Oh really? <laughs> See, and this is where it comes. It's just where communication from the heart, because 
really something I've never said before, but you can have an impact like that on someone. So that's what I love about what I do, right, is because you step in front of an audience or onto a podcast and, you know, people are maybe uncomfortable at first or maybe they're thinking of someone else with cerebral palsy or, or maybe they're being reminded of something. But, you know, 45 minutes into it, we've got this point of connection and and we realize we have a lot more in common and that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think that's one thing that I've, I've really found uh, through this podcasting journey that I've, I've been on as well is that I've, I've spoken, well, I mean, I've done sort of 80 odd interview based episodes. So I've, I've spoken to sort of over 75 different people about this. And as I was saying to you, everyone has a different story. Everyone's got a different background, but everyone is a person and there are so many similarities between between you and me and between uh, you and Lucy and a yeah. whole lot of the other people that I've talked to that all come from different different backgrounds that I would have never have found those similarities if I hadn't started asking questions and if yep. these people hadn't opened up to my to the questions that I was asking as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that's that's a very cool thing. It's very cool. It's what, it's what changes the world, really, and it's what connects. It's what unites people. You know, we we not we don't unite on 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 our accomplishments. We, we we unite on our desires. And if you have a desire to accomplish great things, well, when that's when the kid who walks funny can have a whole lot of mates in the school playground, you know. That's when we see things that we never seen possible or seen before or for a sudden being like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Cool. Mm, yeah, and I think it, it it ties back into your your do and be concept as well, is that if all you're searching for is the be, is that accomplishment – yeah. Then you miss out on a whole lot of that connection and a whole lot of that doing as well. And like you, you telling me your dream just before, it's a do dream. Yeah, it's there is a, there's an element of be with it, but the be comes into part into play because you know what you want to do. Yeah, and you have yeah. to kind of you you open up the world of opportunities around. What it is. The B is the smallest part of the equation, right? The B is like the the thing in the middle. Mm, yeah. You take off of any job, anything that people do, lawyer, musician, comedian, politician, uh, physio, like that's in the middle and around it is like even from your day to day, you've met with all these people, where lives you've changed, where, and therefore the impact that that's had on people's families. You, you've got a life where you get to listen to stories, where you get to help people, where you get to have people believing, you know? The physio is the B bit, but it does all that other stuff. And so if you don't know what that thing is you want in the middle, B 
but you know those do things you can start looking for what else is going to get me there yeah exactly yeah not meaning to go back on the conversation we had just before but i just think it's such a a key part of it it is it is and cam i mean mate i could i could talk to you for hours and i think we're definitely going to have to have to do this again um, probably you, probably multiple times <laughs> cool. sounds good but I, I have some questions that I like to ask everyone uh, before we before we finish up the conversation I'm just mindful that it's getting dark and I haven't turned the light on in this in this room so you're not going to be able to see me in a minute <laughs> it's kind um, of turning into like a Blair Witch project yeah, like yeah, it's yeah. just got I yeah. can see you real well and now it's, yeah, yeah it's cool so it's like Cam Okay, the the first question for you, mate, is what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did and how did you get through it? (laughs) The last uncomfortable thing I did was I was in a conference speaking with 500 people and I'm up there in front of them all and I realized that I've sent the wrong slide presentation to the AV people. (laughs) So I'm up there and I'm I'm like, and then I go to my slide and said it was the wrong one. And so that I had, and so that, again, the joy of speaking is no one even knows what you were going to say, right? And so, again, straight into the, the, what would my, obviously everyone knows it's been a mistake because I said, look at this, and it was a completely different thing that appeared. <laughs> So everyone knows that there's been a mistake, but you give them to a point where they're thinking, but did he do that on purpose? And so I had fun with it, and, yeah, it was cool. It was a talk that ended in a standing ovation and got heaps more work out of it. So I bottled it up, and it worked. Yeah, But I, awesome. I probably couldn't do that again. Yeah, yeah, but I think it comes back to that, that preparation as well with that, is that you've prepared so much that – um, when you get into the situation like that, you can you can just roll with it, and yep. it's it's train training yourself to to do that. Yeah, Cam, what's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do, and why is that uncomfortable for you? Uh, I'm in the process of of I've had the same office for eleven years. I've lived in the same place for six years. I've now living in a brand new apartment I've now got no office that I go to every day and so and the fact that I'm in the low peak of my year as in you know this is a time of celebration and not so many times for speaking so I'm having to think of new opportunities during this uncomfortable moment, you know, there's a few ways I could go about it. I could be like, oh, maybe I've had my peak and I'm now on my way down. But uh, I see it as more of a, uh, this is an opportunity to recreate new stuff. And that's what I'm doing now. Awesome, man. And Cam, I mean, this this whole conversation has kind of been about it, but do you have any other strategies that you use for approaching uncomfortable situations? Um, strategies for approaching uncomfortable situations is going back to, to the importance of having our dream, right? 
the importance of having something that we want to achieve in our life because if you have that kind of compass, and that's what a dream is, a dream is a compass, then you can go, okay, this bit of a dream is uncomfortable, but I, I need to do it. And I just need to, you know, for the America, I just need to jump on that airplane and I need to go there for a month knowing that it's really uncomfortable, but I learn from that as a part of it. Because if I just stay still, I don't move forward. Brilliant, mate. I've got two more questions for you, but I just want to say, take a moment to say thank you very much for, for sitting down and, and having a chat with me on a Monday evening. It's been, it's been amazing. And I, like, I've had a couple of, of moments just a shiver going up my spine with some of the stuff that you've been saying. Um, so it's been cool to connect and cool to, cool to go deep with you. But I also want to say thank you as well for, um, for challenging people's perceptions. For, for showing us and telling us how that we should be taking opportunities and also being a role model as, as someone who consistently goes out and exceeds expectations. And I think that you're a, you're a shining light with that. And thank, thank you. you so much for letting me be, be part of you sharing your dream with the world. Oh, well, thanks for the opportunity and, uh, yeah, your, uh, your decision to take this on because, uh, yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Cam, first question for you is easy, mate. If people like your stuff, if they want to, to hear more of it, to, to see more of you, yep. how can they do that? Where should they go? Facebook, YouTube, Instagram. LinkedIn for the really professional people. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's a website. It's just my name, camcalcoon.com. And on over Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, it's just my name, Cam Calcoon. Awesome. And I'll, I'll put links to that in the notes for the show as well so people can, yep. can track you down. Final question for you, mate. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Oh, so what? Like, kind of, have you got examples or? Um, it can be, it can be anything. So, I mean, like Lucy's, Lucy's one, for example, was the, the cold shower cold challenge. Shower. But yeah, I, yeah. I've had other people that have had, um, say, put it out into the world, say out loud one thing that you've been wanting to do for ages. Yep. So it could be it could be anything. It could be big. It could be little. It could be a physical challenge. It could be a mental challenge. It could be whatever whatever floats your boat at the moment. Okay. Well, just just the nature of the whole conversation we've had and keeping in theme, my challenge would be finding as many ways as possible to connect for people who you intersect with in your day. So whether it's the man in the dairy, hey man, how's your day? Don't just get the milk. Walking down the street, give someone a smile, give them a wave, don't just walk past them. That person in the gym that you've seen every single day for the last six months, maybe go up and say, hey, my name's Cam, awesome to meet you, what's your name? Connect with people, smile at people, 
and have the desire to be that positive influence, that positive person in someone's day because you just don't know what impact that will have on them and enjoy it. Cam, that is a brilliant challenge to leave us with, mate. Thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today. Oh, thank you, and uh, stay awesome, and I've enjoyed every single minute of it. So thank you, Chris. There you have it, team. I hope you enjoyed that chat today. I had an incredible time uh, talking with Cam, and I'm sure that there is going to be a lot more podcasts with him and hopefully a bit of other stuff uh, that happens in the future, hopefully 2018 with us as well. Um, let us know what your what your favorite takeaways were from that uh, that episode as well and what what cam taught you from that now this is the last interview based episode for 2017 uh, next week I'm going to do a little bit of a shorter solo episode just kind of reflecting on all the uncomfortable bits for me in 2017 uh, and the stuff that I've I've learned from them as well um, and hopefully the some of the direction that I want to take with things in uh, 2018 as well. So it will be a little bit of a shorter episode. So hopefully uh, it's not too boring for you guys as well. But remember, if you've been enjoying the show and you want to support the work and you also want to make simple yet professional videos, head over to the guys at howtomakesimplevideos.com for a hundred bucks off their very, very good course um, if you enter the code uncomfortable at checkout. But if you want to support the show and you're not into making videos, there are a couple of other ways that you can do that. Uh, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app um, so you get new episodes every Tuesday and Friday. Subscribing to the show really helps um, make the show more visible and gets, the, gets these ideas of getting uncomfortable into more people's ears and minds. Um, if you've listened to the show a couple of times and you like what you hear, then make sure you leave us a review. Again, that just helps uh, make, make things a little bit more visible. Perhaps the easiest way you can do it is share the episode out on social media or with your mates. Um, I just want to say thank you to everyone that has donated uh, some a couple of bucks to the show via Patreon at patreon.com slash uncomfortable is okay. Uh, big thanks to everyone that has been a part of the show, whether that's a guest or have sent me a message about it, um, or to my awesome brother Jeremy Desmond for the amazing theme music, or anyone else that has provided advice along the way this year. It's been it's been an awesome journey so far um, and looking forward to, to continuing on with it. But thank you guys as well for tuning in and getting uncomfortable with Cam and I today. <laughs>